Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Together, a Brighton and Nerve Albion podcast. And I am recording right after the win today against Wolves. The nervy win, but a win nonetheless. Um, what a game that was. A real game of two halves. Um, whew, where do I start? Um, Murray with his 100th goal of the season. Season? Good God, I wish. Uh, 100th goal of his career with the Albion. Um, it was a, it was a great performance in that second half. Uh, we absolutely deserved the win in the second half, but we should have probably been two or three down in the first. Um, but thank God we got the win. That's three in a row for us now. First time since 1981, since we uh, won three Premier League games back-to-back, top division games, and we are well on our way. That is 14 points, I believe. 14 points from 11 game, from 10 games. Um, and that puts us 11th in the table. Um, and hopefully by the time you're hearing this, maybe uh, <laughs> maybe Manchester United have done us a favour and got beat by a few and we can go above them too, because that would be hilarious. Um, yeah, 14 from 10 games. And we're well on our way. We're two points better off than this time last season. Um, and I think that with the, with the games we have played already... Um, I think we have a huge opportunity to continue to grow. And I think that if we can replicate this form, the four four wins, two draws, four defeats in the next 10 games, which are a lot more achievable than the last 10, I don't think it's crazy to think that we can end up safe. Um, We have quite comfortably performed above expectations so far i don't think anybody expected us to be this this comfortable in the middle of the table after the start of the season that we had on paper um and i think we should be really really pleased and really really proud of ourselves for doing what we've done um honestly like i was expecting to just hope and pray that we managed to keep the one point per game kind of metric going up because that kind of points towards the 38 points and safety and we're well above that we're well on our way and we've played some incredibly talented sides both home and away and came away with points so yeah i think we need i think we're we're absolutely in a great strong position um and the next 10 games are going to be a lot easier like i said than the last 10 so you know the idea of getting those four wins and two draws is definitely feasible and hopefully we can start by taking a point or more at Goodison um, next weekend. So let's have a look at the Wolves analysis then because I've got it ready. Um, I just wanted to kind of address now the 10 games are up but the let's start with the bad um, and the reason I'm going to start with the bad instead of the good like I normally do is because it was such a game of two halves that the entire bad is really just based on the first half. <laughs> um, we were incredibly poor in the first half. We, just like I said on last week's podcast when I looked at the preview, um, we needed to be incredibly careful about their back three and Neves and Martino. Um, and all the space in the world was presented to Neves and Moutinho in that first half. Um, they spread the ball around. Um, it was exactly what I was worried about. And we failed to track win backs. We tra- failed to track the back three. We failed to track them. They absolutely ran rampant, basically, in the first half. Um, and it was really scary that we could have been two or three down. The amount of opportunities that Matt Doherty uh, really let go was insane um their right wing back winger was absolutely incredible um he was very good he 
really made Bong look poor. And I think Bong just had a bad game again. Um, that's his second one in a row now. And I'm always, I've always been a good defender of Bong because I think he does a great job when he's asked to, depending on the game. But I don't think this game was for him. And I said that last week too. And unfortunately, it looks like we were pretty much spot on. Um, 74% pass accuracy, which is below his usual kind of record. Um, he was found out of position constantly. It's like him and his Kiedo couldn't decide who was going to mark Doherty. Um, I think it, to me, it seems pretty clear that Bong should have been marking Doherty and Izquierdo should have been ensuring that that back three weren't marauding forward behind him. And it seemed that Bong had a totally different idea of what we were supposed to do. Um, it was really poor. He, he was just, he, it was bad. It was not the right game for Bong. Um, and he was found out badly in that first half. Um, we allowed them to win the aerial battle as well, which is really unheard of for us. Um, they won 15 aerial balls to our seven in that first half, which honestly, it's really, it really is unheard of. Um, and almost all of those 15 were in the middle of the park. Um, that really just kind of puts the uh, puts the punctuation mark on how badly we lost the middle of the park battle in that first half, and how much space we afforded Martino and Neves, and how much we were able to allow them to run the show. Um, and I think that both AJ and March were poor today as well. Um, they were both dispossessed more than anyone else on the team with two and three respectively. Um, and honestly, more than once, uh, AJ got the ball and failed to get through the key pass. Um, there was more than one time when Ali Reza got the ball and you could see the pass that he should have been making and he made it either a second too late or a second too early or it was just like half an inch wide. And... For a record signing with the skill he has, he shouldn't be making those kinds of mistakes. And honestly, like, I've been really kind of disappointed in him so far. Um, I know he's capable of so much better, but I'm kind of disappointed that Chris has chosen to drop a hugely informed knockout for a, a player that is really not performing at the level he is capable of doing yet. Um, and... It just kind of blows my mind that we're we're continuing to do it. I would I would like to see Knockout start again, um, but it is what it is for now. And I thought March was was bad as well today. Um, at times he was frankly invisible. Um, he is definitely a better defensive winger than a central attacking midfielder. Um, I know that he. I feel like I'm really just comparing him to Gross, and maybe that's unfair because they're so different. They're such totally different players, but. Um, it's it feels like we don't have that extra attacking edge with March in the middle of the park as opposed to Gross. We feel like anything could happen at any time with Pascal, and with Solly March, you feel you kind of see him get the ball. For me, I see him get the ball, and I, I like I almost know the attack is either going to break down or it's not going to go anywhere. It, like it's, there's nothing going to come of it, and most of the time it's right. And like today, most of the passes he made, he his pass accuracy was actually very, very good. He was the second highest pass accuracy on the entire team. But at the same time, like almost every single one of those passes were backward. Um, I mean, he put in a couple of good crosses at times, and but for the most part, almost every single one of his passes was backwards or sideways. And as a central attack in number 10, at home, playing a team that we should look to take points from, that's just not acceptable. Um, and the thing is, like, Bissouma clearly isn't an out-and-out -out number 10, and we haven't tried anybody else there, but I feel like we we weren't 
we're kind of coming to a realization that we're weaker at the number 10 spot than we thought we were because um, proper's out Bissouma isn't a, isn't a natural number 10 Solly March is definitely not a natural number 10 like the only real number 10 we have is gross and he's hurt so that sucks um hopefully he's back soon but let's get on to the fun stuff and go to the good instead because once that halftime whistle went uh i assume chris gave some hair dryer treatment to the boys because that second half was the old cliche of a game of two halves has never been more true <laughs> um the standout players for me there was a few of them so we'll go through these boys and kind of recognize all of them because i thought they were all incredible uh kyle again um in fact, I'm going to include his first half too. Uh, he was only just possessed once all game. Um, he had no poor touches recorded on the stat sheet. How economical on the ball can you be in a game like that when we've already said that the middle of the park was overran? Um, he had three tackles, four clearances, two block shots. Um, him and Dale Stevens were always an incredibly dangerous uh, duo in the middle of the park in the championship. And Given that he had his horrible injury at the start of last season, it kind of was really disappointing to to know that they weren't going to get that chance um, to kind of show what they can do and become that force that they were in the championship. Um, thankfully, Proper stepped in and he has been an absolutely incredible central midfielder. And, you know, he was a he was an integral part of the reason we stayed up last season. Um, but with him out, it's been kind of a blessing in disguise for some because... Kyle has been able to come back in and that rapport is there immediately with him and Dale Stevens. And, you know, we've won three in a row now. I don't think it's a coincidence that Kyle and Stevens are in the middle of the park and we've won three in a row. Um, I really am a huge believer in those two as an absolutely incredible mid-table Premier League central midfield partnership. Um, I'm not going to be silly and say they're going to win Champions Leagues next year, but... Like in terms of a solid Premier League midfield duo, there's not many that are that good and that complementary of each other. Um, I thought he was just absolutely brilliant. Uh, other standouts are Matty Ryan, again, um, especially in the second half when he had saves to make. He was incredible, um, not only at making the saves he did, but at distributing the ball as well in that second half. Um, he commanded his area well, um, and the 93rd minute save was just nothing short of world-class. Um, De Gea makes that save, and it's on ESPN, it's on Sky Sports, it's on BBC, it's going around the world, it's getting upvoted to hell on Reddit. You know what I mean? It's getting 6,000 retweets on Twitter if De Gea makes that save. Um, it was incredibly last-minute reflexive action, and it saved us. It, it won us three points, frankly, um, and he was just absolutely brilliant. I am... Honestly, struggling to think of more than five or six keepers better than Ryan in the Premier League. Um, I talked about this with a couple of the, with like a whole bunch of Brighton fans um, after the game, and they said this, they actually stated that they think he's probably a top six keeper, and I fully agree. Um, I couldn't put any more than three or f well four or five better than him. Um, I think he's absolutely incredible, and what a signing he has been. Um, and now we're now we're ten games in, um, so we're really getting along. Uh, the, the season is well and truly underway um, we've gone through a couple of different thoughts and processes on the season so far from international breaks and all that sort of stuff but I think for consistency's sake I think he's probably my current player of the season nominee number one Matty Ryan um, simply because he's always been there Knockout has come in and out of the side Montoya has come in and out of the side so is Bissouma. Um and I think he's probably got to be my number one
nomination for player of the season 10 games in now. Um, don't get me wrong, he has close competition in this one, and we'll move on to him next, Glenn Murray. Um, he was fantastic again today. He's got six goals, I believe, now in the Premier League already, um, on par with Eden Hazard. I don't know who he is, but uh, he's clearly only about as good as Glenn. Um, he was just incredible again today. 100 goals for the Albion. Um, he was very quiet for most of the day. And when it went into half time, I did think that, well, I guess we'll have to wait at least another week for Glenn's 100. And within five minutes of the second half start, starting, he was there again. Um, just like he has been in, in for quite some time. He has a case of right place, right time. Um, and I don't think that is a coincidence anymore. Like, you can't, right? You can't keep saying, oh, he's in the right place at the right time, kind of like Van Nistelrooy. Um, and there's there's plenty of other, like, foxes in the box, but he's always been somebody that I always think of as, like, the ultimate fox in the box, Rude Van Nistelrooy. Um, and I think Murray is similar to him. It's not a coincidence that they're in the right place at the right time when they're in the right place at the right time all the time. <laughs> and, you know, 100 goals for the Albion shows that. Um, his celebration was class. Like, I fully freaked out. I loved it. He has just been incredible. Um, he only had the one shot on target. He only had the one shot. It was on target. It was a goal. And it won us the game. Um, but outside of that, you know, he won three fouls more than anyone else. Um, and he even did a great job in defensive duties too. Um, he won more than def one defensive duel at the end of the game to really help us out. Um, the work he did at the back in that last 10 minutes went a long way to winning us that game. Um, and he was just fantastic. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about him in the bridge segment from this one to the preview. But yeah. What a player he's been for this season at the very least, if not, well, I mean, he scored 100 goals, so he's just incredible, full stop. Um, my man of the match, however, is not any of the above. It is going to El Capitan. Um, my man of the match for this game was Bruno. Um, when I saw the team sheet and saw that Bruno was A, fit, I was happy, and B, going up against Adama Traore, who I am a huge fan of, I was crapping my pants. Um, and I forgot Traore was playing, barring the ridiculous haircut he has. Um, Bruno kept him in his back pocket. He literally had nothing to do all game. Like, Traore was anonymous. Um, he was absolutely incredible. And then when Traore came off and Helder Costa went onto that side, he did the same thing to him. He kept him to totally anonymous. Um, Bruno, he made three tackles. Uh, one interception, three clearances, and probably the most important thing for him defensively, uh, he committed zero fouls. He committed zero fouls against Adama Traore, Helder Costa, um, their wing back on the left-hand side. I'm not sure who that was, uh, but you know he kept he kept his call and he didn't he didn't commit a single foul for a 38 year old veteran right back playing against some of the quickest players in the Premier League. Zero fouls. Um, just brilliant stuff. He he really is just incredible. And you know he's it's not even just defensively. Um, on re he's on record as two attacking key passes. Um, it means that key passes uh, via who scored dot com kind of classifies that meaning that 
after that key to that key attacking pass, um, there was a strong goal scoring opportunity. Obviously, one of them was the assist, and I'm not sure what the other one was, but he he went on record with two key passes going forward, 81% pass accuracy. When you compare that to Bong, you know like it's eight nine percent better than his, um, and he wasn't dispossessed once in this game. He wasn't dispossessed. He didn't commit a single foul. Like just incredible. The guy is an absolute legend, and what more can you say? just incredible um he's thoroughly my man of the match and how he keeps doing it at 38 is really quite incredible um so we'll finish off with a recap of this this game because i love to talk about it when we win um <laughs> the i think the reason we probably beat them today uh looking at it from a wolves perspective um i think their inability to finish their opportunities was key um doherty doherty uh, he should have scored and at least once and they consistently took shots when they should have passed and passed when they should have shot it's like they can their mindset when attacking was completely wrong um they had 57 percent possession and did nothing with it it was a it was a stat i was concerned about last week in terms of how much possession they generally have even away from home um they had more than usual and they did nothing with it they had 25 shots today um 13 13 were outside of the box uh and you know only one or two of them really troubled us at all um and three of their 12 inside the box were blocked um and only three of their shots inside the box are in target on target um so i mean they simply weren't good enough in front of goal today um and we kept the central attacking midfielders quiet just like we said we needed to um even in that first half we did a good job of keeping them quiet because it really helped like it it prevented that final product from coming into fruition and causing us big problems um and i thought we were incredibly good at keeping them quiet costa jimenez jota hota however you pronounce his name um adama triore they were all below par and they were all kept out of the game for the most part um i mean their wingers didn't really their these attacking midfielders really didn't do anything it was their wingbacks that caused the most problems um and stifling that entire front line of creativity like 100 percent got us to win today um and i also want to point out an interesting thing because when lewis dunk got called up for the england squad um there was a lot of people underneath the sky sports announcement and all of that stuff uh absolutely fuming as football fans often are we're an emotional bunch so i get it but they were fuming that lewis dunk got called up over connor cody um this was a man that most people believe should absolutely have been called up instead of dunk outside of brighton fans i guess um we all obviously wanted lewis in there but in games like today you expect someone like that to run the game and quite often lewis dunk has um quite often in games like this where you need to do something special and you need someone at the back to lead the way um lewis dunk often steps up and does that uh but he was easily the worst of the three centre-halves today. Um, at points, you forgot he was even there, frankly. Um, he was really poor. It was really disappointing for him today, and I was really I was really intrigued to see him as an England prospect more than an oppos- opposition player, um, and it kind of left me scratching my head as to how they could possibly think that Connor Cody is in any way ready for an England call-up. Um, he absolutely is not and he needs at least a season under his belt in the Premier League before he gets that opportunity um, and yeah I think it's kind of a wait maybe it won't be because we're all we're all kind of ignorant to our own shortcomings in football um, and we don't want to admit that but 
Connor Cody, Wolves fans, he ain't ready. Sorry. And Lewis Dunk is by far and away a better centre-half than him right now. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say on that one. Don't at me or at me and be angry. You probably will be if you listen to it. Um, all right, so let's move on to the bridge segment. Um, I'm not going to spend too much time on it because we've spoke about him a whole bunch of times before, but Glenn Murray scored his 100th goal for Brighton and Nova Albion today. Um, <laughs> that is not his only... You know, he's that's just for the Albion. Um, he has been around an awful lot. He's scored 203 goals officially on record. Um, that is since 2004 when they started keeping records for this. Um, and, yeah, so 203 goals, 100 of them have come from the Albion. Um, he started his career at Workington Reds. Um, frankly, I don't know anything about Workington Reds. Um but he then moved over quite uniquely um, and joined an American team, Wilmington Hammerheads, not far away from where I am in North Carolina um, in 2004. He spent one season with them, um, played 14 times, scored three goals in the uh, USL Professional League. Um, American fans that listen to this, I know you're out there. If anybody wants to clue me in as to what kind of level the USL Professional League is, that would be pretty fun because I haven't got a single idea. Um but he soon came home and went to Barrow, uh, non-league Barrow, where he scored seven goals in seven games. Um, no joke, right? Uh, he then finally got his opportunity um, kind of at a bigger club um, for Carlisle United, um, a mainstay of the lower leagues in England. And um, they actually went up in the year of 2005 and then continued to go up and succeed in League 2 in 2006. Um, He only scored five goals for Carlisle in 46 appearances. He then spent a couple of of years on loan. Um, This is a proper journeyman guy. Uh, He played 11 games for Stockport County on loan, scoring three goals. He then spent 12 games at Rochdale on loan, scoring four goals. And then he finally made his move to Rochdale um, under current manager then Steve Parkin. Um... It was an undisclosed fee, so we don't know how much he went to Rochdale for, but it was his first real chance at the at like a real professional team scoring goals on a regular. Um, he ended up scoring 21 goals in 42 appearances for Rochdale, um, and this is where you see him really start to find his shooting boots that ends up kind of following him through the rest of his career. Um one in every two goals, one one goal in every two games is kind of like peak striker level. Um, and then he came to the Albion. Um, 2000, he signed for us in the January transfer window. Uh, reportedly for £300,000. I'm looking at his wiki right now, so if I'm being a bit slow on the uptake, forgive me. Um, he came on. His first appearance for those longer-term Albion fans who have been listening to uh, listen to this, he actually came on as a substitute against Northampton Town, where we got beat one 0 and he replaced the the great Nathan Elder. <laughs> um, he went on to score 54 goals in his first stint with us in 118 appearances. Um, that's when it gets nasty. Um, 20th of May 2011. Gus Poyet is the manager of Brighton and Nova Albion. And it is revealed that Glenn Murray has rejected Brighton's final offer of a new contract. Um, 
Glenn Murray left Albion as a free agent after the 2010-2011 season and signed a contract with Crystal Palace. Um, and he ended up scoring all the goals in the world for them, just as you would expect him to. Um, he went on to make 112 appearances for Crystal Palace and scored 44 goals. Um, something that will probably go down as one of the worst transfer or contract decisions in Brighton history, in my opinion. Um, if we would have offered him the money he wanted, which rumours now say really wasn't as bad as people portrayed at the time. If we would have gave him the money we wanted, the difference, who knows where we could have been. You know, this could be our fourth or fifth season in the Premier League. Um, the, I think we need, it's just, you know, one of those things that if this ever happens again in the future, someone needs to get out a history book and point them to 2010, 2011 and point out that we don't need to make this mistake twice because that's 44 goals and four years of our, of our footballing lives where we missed out on one of our best strikers ever, ever, if not our best striker of all time. Um, he stopped getting he stopped getting appearances though for Palace in 2014-15 when they made the Premier League, um, and he went out on loan to Reading, um, scored eight in eighteen there as you would expect, and then signed for Bournemouth. Um, they let him go, and uh, I believe that, but it says here that on the first of September. 2015, Bournemouth bought him off of Palace for £4 million. Uh, Three-year deal. And he actually didn't go on to do too much for Bournemouth. He made 19 appearances in two years, scored three goals. Um, and I think he was so much ca capable of so much more in Bournemouth, whether it was their style of play or whether it was who, whatever it was, it didn't suit him. Um, and, you know, it shows that because history shows that you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. It shows that he could score bagfuls of goals for us, um, and we went on to take him back on loan um, on July third, two thousand and sixteen. Um, he came back to us on a season long loan. Um, he played in the championship at this point, and during his loan spell, he went on to score fifteen goals in twenty six games, um, and up we went to the Premier League. Um, we signed him. On January 31st, 2017, permanently. Um, and then at this point, we then went to the Premier League. And obviously, as you would know, the rest is history. Um, we then went on to, he went on to score ridiculous amounts of goals in the Premier League for us. Um, let's see here. 62 appearances since he uh, signed back on permanently and 25 goals. And 100 goals today was up. Um, what? A player. Um, he's our second highest scorer of all time. Honestly, if he if he has what I think he has left in the tank, he might even become our highest scorer of all time. Um, he's just an absolute incredible player um, and an incredible servant. And he really should never have left us in the first place. So, um, fun fact for you: he actually scored the two hundred fiftieth Amex goal today. Um, he does it all. The number 17 is an absolute legend. Um, 35 years of old, 35 years of age, and currently the best English striker playing football, statistically on goals scored. I'm having that. <laughs> um, so let's move on to the Everton preview um, and take a look at what we're going to be able to do at Goodison. Um, I think clearly we need to prepare for a serious battering on Saturday. Um, I think we need to sit back and focus on putting a man on Gilfie Sigurdsson, honestly. Um, 
probably Dale Stevens as the man to mark him because I feel like Kyle is a more dynamic box-to-box midfielder and I think he shows it with the amount of attacking prowess he's shown compared to Dale. Um, but Gilfie is really on form now um, and he's been their best overall player this season. Four goals and an assist so far this season. Um, almost an 80% pass accuracy in a central attacking midfield role is incredibly impressive. Uh, two Man of the Match awards. Um, this is a, this this game coming up is the sort of game we should be starting Gaetan Bong. Uh, not today. He will need to do a job on Walcott or Richarlison or whoever they put on that side and keep him quiet. And that's something that Bong is incredibly talented at doing. Um, so, I, I mean, we will be playing on the counter in this one. Um, we'll probably need to start with some pace. Obviously, his Kiedo to me is a must start in every game of that, every game of the season right now. Um, I am kind of concerned about how much our right side lacks pace. Uh, with AJ not looking comfortable running on the ball, not re- look, looking comfortable running at people, um, he's been a weird. It's a weird start to the season for him. Um, we're gonna have to hold out and hope to get a point or more on the break. Um, luckily for us, they are weak to the counter attack statistically, um, and we're gonna have to hope we can really exploit that because we're gonna have to. We're gonna play on the back foot. We're away from home and we're playing an incredibly. Uh, talented bunch of attacking players um, and it's going to be important to keep it together so looking at what we can probably expect from them um, because let's be honest there's nothing glamorous about what we expect from us Um, we've seen enough of our away games now to know what it's going to look like but what we expect to come at us at Goodison um, they're going to look to get out wide to the wingers and their fullbacks Uh, Dine Dine, I don't know how to pronounce his name D-I-G-N-E Dine Anyway, he's a very solid fullback. I've seen him twice now. Uh, Coleman is great. Walcott's good enough. Richarlison's talented. Um, they're all very good wide men and have all played incredibly well so far this season. Um, we will have a lot of work to do because if we manage to keep them out of the game, we're going to need to be then conscious of not to present the middle open to Gilfie. Um, and that's generally how they've won games. Um, if you go back and watch their game against Palace, they just stretch the game so much that it just wore the opposition out and they ended up scoring a whole bunch of goals at the end of the game and that's why um they're also very good at goodison park historically they always have been but this season's no different um they're scoring just under two goals per game um with nine goals in five games and they're taking around 15 shots per game on average um so you know that they're not they're they're not going to sit back or play a poor game they're going to come at us hard um they also, one of their key strengths actually is set pieces, which is kind of terrifying for us, right? Um, we need to be very careful of that because historically we've been incredibly poor at it. <laughs> it's the perfect matchup for Everton to play. Um, but they are very poor at defending counterattacks, and I think that goes hand in hand with the amount of possession and shots they have and the amount of time that they end up getting beat. Um, and they're even worse at keeping a lead. Um, it's more so away from home, but historically, uh, Silver tends to change most of his entire outlook when a goal or two up. Um, you know, when they played Palace last week, you didn't really see it as much because they didn't go up until very late in the game. Um, but, you know, it's, it's probably not going to look to them as big of a problem at home, but something we could make work. You know, we, we've got to, we're going to play on the counter-attack. It's something that they struggle with, and they're probably going to go a goal up, and that's something that they struggle to keep. So we're going to have to just keep that in mind and keep pushing regardless of what happens. Um, first 11 for me this week, 
Uh, not that Chris listens to anything that I say because he's never selecting my first 11. <laughs> um, Ryan in goal, obviously. Bruno at right back. How can you drop him after the last couple of weeks? Duncan Duffy, obviously. This week I am starting Bong because this is a game he absolutely should be in and taking out a winger that needs to be marked out of the game. Um, I would be starting Knockout in this game because I think he provides more defensively and I, I'm already annoyed that we've dropped an informed Knockout for... Uh, AJ who's struggling to find his feet um, and I think he'll do a great job of keeping their fullbacks in check uh, Stevens and Kyle in the middle of the field because they're just an incredible duo right now proper isn't going to be fit it sounds obvious that they should start uh, Izquierdo on the left obviously we need some kind of pacey outlet um, and Noki and Izquierdo would provide that and uh, I would start Bisuma as well I don't know whether they would like to start uh, in terms of like a midfield three or whether they want to put him in a number 10, but I would play Basuma as opposed to March. Um, and I would bring March on late if we are defending in any way, shape or form. Um, because he's a better defensive winger than pretty much any other winger we've got. So I would bring March on towards the end of the game to see out the game if we're doing well. If we're 0-0, 1-1, you know, if we're looking at taking a point, I would bring on, I would bring on March and see it out. And obviously, Glenn Murray has to simply has to start this week. Um, there's no other alternative. If he's fit, he starts every single game. Um, so that's the first 11. Hopefully, we'll see something like that. We'll see. Um, that's all I've got time for this week. We're done. We've gone through pretty much everything there is to go through. Um, I will be back next week to take a look at the Everton game, see what happens there. Um, hopefully we can come away with a point or more. If we do, that would be really impressive given how good they are away at home. Um, have a good rest of your week. Enjoy the three points from the Albion. I sure as hell know I will. Um, and yeah, have a good one. Be safe and follow. Oh, don't forget to follow at TogetherBHA. Um, if you have any questions or feedback or ideas for the podcast, throw it at me. I'm willing to listen to everything. Thank you and good night.